Welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast, coming to you from New York and Retail's big show, NRF 2023, coming up on this episode. You know, I think that we're, we're certainly in a journey. Um, I One thing that I'm responsible for for our brands is really the data environments for all of them. And so I always tell my team that half of the work uh, is creating the tools and the environment and data, and the other half is making sure it gets integrated and used. I think AI is one of the key technologies um, that sort of enhance almost all of the different other technologies in a way, right? It is um, critical for beauty in many, many different ways. Consumers are very savvy. They really know about what's trending. They know about trending looks. They know about ingredients. And they go through all of the social channels and they get all of the information. So when they come to our sites, we want to extend that knowledge and conversation that they're already having in different channels. So we use AI to aggregate all of the trends to see what's trending, what are the trending looks, what are the trending ingredients, here are the products that we have to make up this look. And we also use user-generated content to support it from a creative standpoint uh, if we want to be able to react to it in the moment. We're back with more highlights from the Javits Center, New York for NRF Big Show 2023 where retail leaders and some of the industry's most pioneering vendors discuss, debate and present the key topics that provide a glimpse into what the future of retail might look like. In this episode, we pick our way through some of the highlights from day two at the show. Cloud POS sounds great in principle, but is a lot more complicated to deliver, especially across a large store base in multiple countries. We spoke to Calvin Anderson, VP Global Digital Strategy for VF Corp Brands, Dickies, Smartwall and Outra, to explore his views on why cloud POS is still a top priority. You know, I think that we're, we're certainly in a journey. Um, I One thing that I'm responsible for for our brands is really the data environments for all of them. And so I think um, where we're starting to really look at is uh, there's been a lot of focus at VF around consumer data, but now it's uh, we're starting to look at and how we learn about our own data. And so through data, say the last time we ran a promotion or a collaboration or a drop and kind of say, you know what, like people actually started transacting on day three when we expected they would transact on day five. And I was telling my team that half of the work uh, is creating the tools and the environment and data. And the other half is making sure it gets integrated and used. No one, I don't think in this environment exactly has the luxury of saying, what exactly does the customer want? And let's give them only that um, because there is a supply chain that takes a year to a year and a half to be ahead of trends. And you may end up with a little more of something that you want or not. And so um, I think in a lot of cases, it's just trying to pick the top couple of combinations of where do we have a lot of product, but not just uh, kind of sprinkling that product to everyone, but understanding this is where it exists. And so we need to do, if we don't have a huge customer base, or someone who wants something that we're a little oversupplied in temporarily. There's a world where we you know, have to take a very intentional strategy on customer acquisition of, this is 7% of the customers that need, have this product that we have a ton of, and let's drive real customer acquisition right in that place. I think it, it is a tough balance, um, and it is certainly, I think the environment 
definitely rewards a lack of bravery, if I'm really honest, right? Sure. But I, th- I think the, a place of optimism in that is what we're seeing in uh, small retailers right now who are taking those risks and they're um, able to get lots of eyeballs on the interest-based algorithms. Uh, and I think that the big retailers, uh, from luxury brands to kind of uh, mid-level brands like ourselves, all the way down to pure commodity race brands are going to take notice and there is no doubt that new young you know businesses are coming in and just sifting away little bits of market share sure and i think that uh my hope is you know for the sake of really unique great uh retail product that um there's going to grow kind of an organic appetite uh expecting even the bigger guys to take some risks because at some point there's going to be an acknowledgement of, wow, we have lost this because we haven't taken risks and there'll be a better appetite for that and maybe even an expectation to really try to take some gambles. While it's the fanfare at the retail's industry's front end that often grabs much of the headlines, global events over the last two years have cast a spotlight on firms further down the chain, more specifically the supply chain seldom recognised for their hard work and dedication in keeping the wheels of retail turning, they have faced and overcome many challenges. But the pressure to deliver change and results at breakneck speed is far from over. One company helping retailers to achieve greater supply chain efficiency is Manhattan Associates, as the company's Vice President of Retail Solutions, Tony DiPaolo, tells us how. Thankfully, what we've seen is uh, retailers coming back to market with a transformative approach. Coming out of COVID, I think that a lot of brands have kind of landed on their feet and are looking to make big improvements across their business. More than ever, we're seeing the C-suite engaged in these evaluations. So I think there's a renewed focus on operational efficiency, and and I think that's making it easier for brands, that, that focus. You know, historically, what we saw were incremental improvements, retailers looking to make small improvements here or there. We're looking at transformations now across the the board of any scale of retailer and beyond that the c-suite is involved now in these evaluations which wasn't always the case a lot of times it was staffed with an it team and an rfp we're seeing more strategic focus on these type of projects from chief executive chief operating and chief financial officers there's never been more emphasis on speed to value uh, than there is right now the challenges retailer are facing is the interoperability of these different solutions they're investing in which is where a platform approach that you know, Manhattan provides is uniquely positioned, um, removing some of the friction of using different systems for different parts of the journey. We're able to supply everything from the warehouse to the store and in between. Commerce has changed and, you know, asking something to do uh, something that it is not intended to do is, is oftentimes challenging. And I think retailers are finding that supply chain was linear, um, but we now have multiple nodes or entry points within kind of commerce, be it from a transaction or fulfillment side. So, you know, it's fulfilling to a home is one thing. What happens when the home wants to return it at a store and it came from the warehouse and they're in a new country and they want to get a refund on a credit card that they didn't use in the initial transaction, right? It gets pretty, it gets pretty complex and highly matrixed. Fortunately, there are vendors and, and providers like Manhattan out there focused on handling that complexity for retailers so they can focus on what it is they do best, which is you know, deliver great, great product and customer experiences. With pressure on retailers like never before, returns are having a huge impact on profitability. So, is it a time to rethink simplistic rules and broad-based return policies? Amy Wilson, Chief Product Officer at Apris Retail, thinks so. 
Her company is championing the replacement of harsh and restrictive returns management in favour of more flexible, behaviour-based models that shape a better customer experience. Going forward, what we're really looking at is the whole customer experience. So it's not even just about saying, hey, this person's doing bad, right? It's about saying, this person's really this a great customer. That lifetime value is something that we're even calculating right on our end, where we're looking, because we have all of the retailers' data. Um, and we're one of the only companies that has a true omni-channel experience looking at this, these incentives and these return authorization. It's, it's, a, it's a huge headache, it's a costly headache, um, and it's really um, environmentally unfriendly, quite frankly, right? There's a huge sustainability aspect to this, where um, right away when I mention sustainability, people will say, oh yeah, you know, all the, you know, the, the carbon footprint, all this stuff coming back and, and getting um, the cost of bringing all of the stuff back. Having said that, there's another play where, you know, we've seen the Wall Street Journal recently put out an article about returns where they were saying, yeah, after these, a lot of this stuff can't even be put back into production and it's going to landfills. That is, for me as a consumer, that is horrifying. So getting it under control um, and, and stopping this problem also is a huge sustainability issue. We have a statistic. 26 out of every 27 returns is just somebody just says, I, I'm taking my money and I'm leaving the store, right? That's just money. So every $1 billion, it's something like, I'm not, you know, I won't do the math really quick, but it's over, you know, 913 million or something like that, right? Is just gone um, from, your, from your bottom line. And what we've found, there are, you know, people will sometimes shop in the store maybe 9% of the time. When we give an incentive, we get that up to 35% of the time. They're not only buying things and you're recouping some of that money, but you're getting a huge shopping cart. So that's something that we're very excited about getting into retailers' hands. We talk about is turning a returns into a profit center, <laughs> right? And make that a good experience for people. Listen, if I get a receipt um, at my favorite store that said, you're going to get 10% off of everything in your cart for the next three hours, I'm all over that. You know, and I feel good about that, and I'm glad that I took the time. And it's great for the retailer too, right, because you're getting that right back into inventory. It doesn't have to go you know, through this whole process to get back into the inventory, it just gets back in. So it's a huge opportunity that retailers are missing today, but we can help them with. Artificial intelligence and augmented reality are transforming the beauty consumer shopping experience. Using technology to offer seamless, interactive, immersive and sustainable solutions, retailers and brands are solving customer pain points and firming up on loyalty and sales. We caught up with Ophelia Cherodini, Vice President Digital Technology and Innovation for the Estee Lauder Companies, shortly after her featured panel session on stage to explore evolving customer behaviour that's shaping beauty retail, and the technology in play that is creating a solid foundation for greater engagement. With most technologies that we do, you can't really take it out of the box. So we really co-create and develop the technologies to work with our brands, our beauty, our IP. Right? So there's always going to be that amount of work um, to, make it, to make it special for our consumers and, and to really take into account our consumers to be able to personalize for them. With things that are nascent, it has to be more about engagement at first before it becomes about sales. Right? And then there are other things that we might launch that would be much more about sales or about consumer delight. And you have to use your experience, your expertise, and make some bets, right? 
So like Virtual Tryon, for example, we launched that back in 2017. Consumer adoption was low, the tech was still at a, at a, a good enough level when we launched it, but that was about engagement back then and really introducing this new technology where you could try it on and getting consumers to feel confident, right? Now, you get three times the engagement, double the conversion for this tool. It's table stakes now. I think that uh, virtual try-on just lends itself so well, but it's also not just virtual try-on, it's all the advancements we've made with it, within, with AR and AI. So virtual try-on, that's a standard now, um, it certainly is for us, and a lot of brands are catching up, but uh, we have a very large footprint there. So we've layered on and innovated within it. So it's all new, nascent um, technology um, and experiences for all of us, for the consumers, for us as brands. I think AI is one of the key technologies um, that sort of enhance almost all of the different other technologies in a way, right? And I think uh, it is... Um, critical for beauty in many, many different ways, right? Another way that we use it is in um, what I call trends to action. Consumers are very savvy. They really know about what's trending. They know about trending looks. They know about ingredients. And they go all through all of the social channels and they get all of the information. So very, very savvy um, these days. So when they come to our sites, we want to extend that knowledge and conversation that they're already having in different channels, right? So we use AI to aggregate all of the trends to see what's trending in beauty. And then we also use AI to match that to our products. So we'll, we'll report on what's trending, what are the trending looks, what are the trending ingredients, here are the products that we have to make up this look. And we also use user-generated content to support it from a creative standpoint, uh, if we want to be able to react to it in the moment. Shoppers love a good deal. Who doesn't? Especially with the cost of living crisis affecting many markets around the world. We spoke to GISP founder Julian Fisher, whose company was showcasing an all-in-one coupon-based app technology at NRF23. Designed to help customers to shop convenience without the cost of higher prices, whilst also providing retailers with an innovative solution to increase customer acquisition and build loyalty. So we're here because what we want to do is gauge the interest of our service and we're looking to partner with one company to get one store trial set up in April or May this year um, and we're getting lots of interest. So we deliver uh, brand funded vouchers or coupons at the point of purchase. So the customer is in the store, they scan the, bar the barcode or a QR code, it delivers them an augmented reality uh, coupon they select the coupon that they want, it puts it into a wallet, they take the product to the till, and the store staff scan the barcode, which burns the, the voucher, the, the coupon, um, and they get the discount, which is on the, on the ticket. So we deliver this through convenience stores mainly in the United Kingdom, and we're bringing this to America in the next few months. When the pandemic hit and people were having to use their mobiles, People became obviously very familiar and comfortable with using their phone, using Apple Pay and other services. So because of that familiarity, they were more comfortable to use applications like ours, which then gave them the discounts that they are receiving now in store. And, and the, the proof of the pudding, so to speak, is the fact that we now have tens of thousands of our uh, vouchers being redeemed every single day in stores up and down the country. So clearly it's working. And, and 
whilst the cost of living crisis is giving good reason for shoppers to use the app uh, to get money off, um, for the brands, it's, it's very much about being able to provide their customers with a promotion, an opportunity for them to acquire the product. A lot of our brands actually are engaged in programs which introduce a product with a discount which gets lower the further down the, the you know, in the second month and the third month. But actually what we've seen is the sales of their products go up, interestingly, not down. So this is a great way for a brand to actually introduce their product and, and acquire um, a loyal customer. America is definitely coupon interested, in, in, I put it that way. Um, getting them to be interested in a digital version as opposed to paper is part of the challenge. But we are quite comfortable and quite assured that actually Americans will actually be very happy to use their mobile rather than having to carry around bits of paper. Finding ways to remove friction from the customer journey and add value remains a key challenge for all retailers. We spoke to Ben Gale, Senior Vice President at Diebold Nixdorf, one of the world's leaders in connected commerce, to find out how his company is helping to provide the answers. I guess the key thing for all retailers is to how they remove friction from a consumer journey, how they add value, whether it's through a digital loyalty program or actually working in store, connecting online and offline. That seems to be the main pain point they're trying to get to grips with. We're demonstrating a number of new initiatives, so we've got actual soft pos on our Android devices as well. So being able to take payment out in the field, queue busting, not your, just your traditional pin entry devices, but using mobility. So connecting e-commerce through into connected commerce in the store is absolutely vital and it's a challenge for retailers we're looking to solve. Retail's Big Show offers retailers with problems to solve an open and engaging gathering space to discuss with those who have potential to deliver solutions. People attended the three-day event in huge numbers but as Richard Hammond, CEO and co-founder of Uncrowned explained, being able to understand the data in simple, digestible form is key to actionability and sales and performance improvements for retailers. It's about actionability, which is in itself is a bit of a nonsense word, but it's can the most people in the business do the best things with the data that's provided to them? You have to have data in the business that anybody can look at who has a responsibility to drive sales, to drive commercial success. Anybody in the business can look at and say, oh, I need to do that, or I need to absolutely up my game there. I mean, I've been a retailer for 36 years. There's a lot of data that we kind of rushed to create and gather that obfuscated. So that actionability, absolutely essential. You're seeing, I mean, just to pick a few off the top of my head, people like Home Depot, people like Marks and Spencers, really concentrating on, does this role, does this initiative, does this piece of data, does it enhance the customer experience, does it help us shift more product? And that discipline, it's partly because, you know, there's fewer dollars in the till, fewer pound notes crossing the threshold, but it's great to see that, and I think we're getting much, much better at it. It's, it's, it for vendors like us, it means we're held much more directly to account. I love that because you want your, your customers to be able to say, do you know what, a year with Uncrowd, I've improved, I've performed better, I've made more money. That's what the name of the game is. A data source that that person understands really directly enhances the business might not be something that is something another member of the board understands. In the good times, you'd get people attributing every gain in the business. Well, our MPS was going up, so it must be the same. One of the incredible things these last three days is the number of retailers who've said to us, do you know what, there's a slowdown in my, in my sector, 
I'm taking, physically I'm taking slightly fewer pound notes or dollars than I was this time last year, but my MPS hasn't changed. So I know now it wasn't telling me the true story. So what do I do with that? To be able to give one number was always very seductive, wasn't it? And it turns out that one number on its own doesn't tell the story, but actually if you, if you have all the data, all the sources, that doesn't tell the story either. That very direct, I need data in my business that says, go do this. That brings us to the end of this special episode of the Retail Exchange podcast in association with NRF 2023. In our next episode, we'll once again be coming to you direct from New York to bring you a final wrap-up from Retail's Big Show with more top names in retail. Be sure to tune in, but for now, I'm Carl McKeever, and thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange podcast. Thanks for listening.